Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 193 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So pleased that you're here with me today. Uh, Today, I am talking to Vikram Chandra about what sounds to be a very, very cool new app slash product um, that you can use to write in and keep your writing organized. Besides that, he is a very esteemed writer, and it was just really fun to talk to him. So I know you're going to enjoy the interview as that's coming up. What else is going on around here? Well, I am having an incredibly creative week. I am, you know, in between projects right now. I'm balancing some projects that I want to be working on. Uh, I'm waiting for my editor to go over my new edits on Hush Little Baby. And um, I've already figured out a couple things that I really screwed up. Or not really screwed up, but I could do better. So I'm hoping that I get another round that I can make some not big shifts, but, you know, not small shifts to the book. So I've already been communicating with her about that, and that is fun. But what that means is in this in-between time is kind of this fertile ground for me to be thinking about what I want to do next. And I was talking to my friend Jay Thorne over at The Writer's Well, which is a podcast we do. And after our podcast chat, we were talking about other things. And he recommended this book to me called E-Myth, E-Myth. And um, I can't remember who the author is. It came out like literally 30 or 40 years ago. I think I, I think I calculated 35 years ago. So there's some outdated stuff in there. Um, But it was so useful to me to think about basically who I want to be as a writer, who I want my business to be, what I want my business to be, and what I want to provide my customers. Because our readers are our customers, and they come to us because they are looking for a certain thing. My readers come to me because they are looking for a certain sense of comfort. And I know I've said that on the show before, even when I'm writing uh, the scariest book I can possibly write, (laughs) readers say, oh, it is so heartwarming, which is not what I'm going for, but I can't help but doing that. That That is my writing voice. That happens to be my personality too. Um, because I do believe in people. I really, truly believe in the best in people. And I know how to bring that out. So I'm going to be doing a little bit of playing with this um, book that I've been calling Replenish for a while. Uh, it's a collection of Patreon essays that I've been shaping into an actual memoir, somewhat about burnout, somewhat about recovery from addiction. Uh, but I'm actually, I'm shifting the lens on it a little bit. I'm shifting the lens so that it is focused on the reader and less on myself, if that makes sense. I teach memoir. I love memoir. I write memoir and I read memoir slash self-help. And when I'm reading memoir slash self-help, I really love the memoir parts of it. So I'm not going to strip those out. But a large part of me and my heart are now drawn more to pushing out, to helping lift up, if that makes any sense. Um, 
I'm pretty excited about it. Like, I'm kind of giddy about it. I am... I changed the title of the book, which I'm not going to tell you yet because I'm going to reveal all soon. Uh, but I think I might be starting a new podcast. Um, yeah, that I don't know. I'll, I'll keep you posted on that too. It, But it feels like a really exciting time right now. Absolutely nothing will change. I'll, I'll, I'll still be teaching and I'll still be writing the fiction that I love to write. But in terms of my memoir nonfiction, I want it to be more helpful than it has been in the past without being a how-to. I know that I'm not saying very much uh, by this, but but rest assured that I am. I'm, I'm overflowing with excitement about this. So yeah, it's going to be great. That's what I'm doing right now. Uh, what else am I doing? I feel like I wanted to tell you about something and now I can't remember it, but I will tell you about uh, two new patrons, Lisa Favish. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. I got to work with Lisa on her query letter and it is rad. It's going to be a great book. Um, and Anita, Anita Ramirez, uh, edited her pledge up so that she's now at the level where she can use me as a mini coach and I will answer her questions on the air. I do have a collection of some questions and I will try to put together that mini episode sometime in the next week. So I was going to ask if you would go over to iTunes or what whatever platform it is that you listen to the show on and give it a rating. I never ask for that. I never remember to, but it's kind of important for visibility. And I want to share with you a couple of the most recent uh, reviews and maybe I will continue to do this. So if you leave a review, I might read it out loud. So this one is from Anthony Seymour and he says, hi, Rachel. Great show. I'm a nonfiction writer, and I really like your take on telling stories and how it applies to actual real-world writing. I love knowing that nonfiction writers are also listening to this show because I think we talk about fiction a lot. Um, but nonfiction is also so, so fun to write and requires just as much thought. So thank you for that, Anthony. And this one, really, I never look at my reviews um, ever on pretty much anything. And I just randomly looked at reviews yesterday to see if I should ask people for more of them. And I should. Um, but this one really struck my heart. So this one is from Anton H. Gill. And he says, I've just listened to my very first episode. And I have to say that even though you didn't have to, even though I wasn't looking for it, and even though others might say you have no business doing this on a writing podcast, I thought that it was brave and progressive of you to touch on the current BLM movement, and more importantly, the role that the Caucasian community needs to play in reforming their mindset. You have a voice, and you used it in a very small way to gently encourage others to self-reflect and change. Bravo. Uh, Anton, thank you. That really blew my mind and um, made me feel good and also made me feel ashamed that we as a country are like this and have to be talking about this. But the fact that you left a review like that, um, I really appreciate it. So all y'all go over to where you listen to podcasts. If you've been listening to me for a show or for a while, and if you don't mind leaving a review, um, I'll probably be looking for them on iTunes because I know where to look there. But if you put one somewhere else, go ahead and send it to me. And um, yeah, I really appreciate it. So that's that. I will let you get into the interview now with Vikram. You're going to enjoy it. He is a charmer and he absolutely knows 
of what he speaks. So enjoy, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write, and you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Okay, well, I could not be more pleased today to be talking to Vikram Chandra. Hello, Vikram. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. I've had your beautiful wife, Melanie Abrams, on the show, and that was such a treat. And I'm so happy that you reached out and we're going to do this today. Let me give a little intro to you um, because you are an impressive, an impressive writer and... Uh, this, this is great. Vikram Chandra's latest book is Geek Sublime, The Beauty of Code, The Code of Beauty. He has also written the novels Sacred Games and Red Earth and Pouring Rain and the short story collection Love and Longing in Bombay. In July 2018, Netflix released a series based on Sacred Games. In 2019, this series was included in the New York Times list of the 30 best international TV shows of the decade. His honors include a Guggenheim Fellowship, the Commonwealth Writers Prize, the Crossword Prize, and the Salon Book Award. He teaches creative writing at the University of California, Berkeley, and his work has been translated into 19 languages. He's a co-founder of Grantica, a software startup that is building a next-generation tool for fiction writers. Did I say Grantica right? Grantica, yeah. Grantica. Okay, so you do have the TH in there. I was wondering about that. Okay, so we're going to talk about that because I'm excited about that. But also, I, if anybody's watching on the video, you are surrounded by books. I'm assuming this is your, your home office. Indeed. You get so much done. And this show is primarily about writing process of working writers. And I would mm-hmm. love to talk to you about how you do this, how you get this done with a family, and perhaps how that might have changed a little bit during these unprecedented times. Yeah. So, you know, I follow this discipline that I think is common among writers. Um, I I try and write at regular hours of the day as much as I can. So you have to treat it like going to an office, right? Yeah. I think it was Picasso who said, inspiration exists, but she has to find you working. Yes, I love that one. Right. <laughs> and she gets used to finding you in your chair at a certain hour. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, and I should say, though, that, you know, since we've had kids and then especially since the pandemic, when they're home all day, yeah, you have to find these fragments of time. At least that's what I've been doing. And I've surprised myself by actually being able to do it that way. It's so not me. Um, and then the other thing is that I do that thing where I set myself a daily word target. Mm-hmm. So I do 400 words, and if I reach that, even if it's like within half an hour, I just knock off, and the rest of the day feels like a holiday. Because and you won. You, you <laughs> got it done. You got it done. <laughs> yeah, and so, so I mean, incredibly enough, you know, after years and years, you you finally finish, end up with a finished manuscript, right? Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, so that's basically it. And, and, yeah, and as you see, I do lots and lots of research. <laughs> And piles of books behind me and papers and scan things in my laptop. Um, and that's, I mean, incredible. Oops, sorry. So no worries. Sorry. Life yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and that's incredibly valuable. Although I do end up going down these rabbit holes all the time, which might not end up in the books, but they, I want to believe, and I think really think they do, they form this understructure. Yeah. Right, that's very rich and out of which I get unexpected surprises, right? I mean, just this morning I was doing some research about 
I have a character who's supposed to be born in a tiny village of India and I was trying to figure out where he's going to be and I was looking at a map of that area and I found a forest and like the whole morning I spent on researching this forest. But it's going to be so cool because it's, it's a, yeah, I can put lots of things that are relevant to what I'm writing emerging from that forest. Isn't that interesting too, to think about research as that iceberg where, you know, the tip of it is what turns into the book, but the knowledge base that supports it is so huge. Yeah. 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 How do you manage the writing with Melanie? Like, like how do you, especially with the kids at home in this time, I'm just curious as how two writers living together work. <laughs> well, before all this happened, we had pretty regular hours because both of us teach at Berkeley yeah. fiction. Um, and, and so we make sure that we're teaching on alternate days. Right. And, and so we have a common office at the, in the department as well. So we don't want to get on each other's nerves there. Perfect. Um, so we could alternate it. And, and then for the weekends we could coordinate it, but really now the situation has driven us both into a complete mess and and the kids it's really hard on the kids right yeah so again we try as best we can is to stagger it right so like you're going to take care of them from time x but i have to say as always so much more of the burden falls on the women right the mothers always like get it because the girls want they need her i don't know if they need her but they want to express they want yeah Yeah. different way than they can to me and they're little right they're 10 and 12. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. That's I mean, those are essential years where you really need that. Yeah. Work, right. Exactly. That's so interesting. But I do love how you say that you're surprising yourself by getting the work done. And the surprising thing for me um, is that in this podcast, I keep talking to writers who are saying the same thing. Like I thought this would derail me yeah, yeah, and it yeah. didn't. I just, I just wrote, I just turned in a book on Monday to my editor yeah, and yeah, yeah. And it was almost this blessing that I was working on it during the pandemic because we can go into it and kind of disappear for a while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you find I, that I do, but I don't know. I concentrate really hard. So, so I do get annoyed with our, either of the kids when they come in here and they need something during the day because then they're like impatient. They want me to give them something immediately. No, no drives go away. <laughs> that's funny yeah I don't have kids so that at least you know I've got the dogs and the cats and they're very yeah. easy to tell to go away yeah. what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing um I think right now um I, it's a new area for me so the last book was nonfiction, right which I'd mm-hmm. never done and and so that was completely new territory and that was really scary I mean especially in terms of finding a structure right because in yeah. In fiction, I'm very driven by plot, right? I can figure out what the protagonist and the rest of them want, and then I can put that in action and I discover the book through that. And this time I had that, but I'm finding that I don't want to do plot in that conventional sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, it's like strange new territory for me. And I'm, I'm really anxious and I have to say terrified of this because then I have to give the reader something else, right? That's going to drive them forward. Uh, and how do you how do you balance that? How do you how do you figure out how to do it? Well, I'm on I'm on first draft right now, so I'm yeah, trying so not to think about that too much. Just a mess right now. Yeah. Just a mess right now. But yeah. I think I mean, and the nonfiction book actually taught me something about this because it's got again, it doesn't have a straight chronological structure, although it's describing history a lot uh, of various sorts. Um, but it leaps from 
across centuries and from place to place. Mm. And, you know, you can gain energy in the writing just by making one of those surprise leaps, right? And, mm. and, and that's, no, I'm not doing quite that thing, but I'm managing to do something like it. Yeah, uh, I like that, that phrase, the surprise leaps. Those are the best parts of writing. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? <laughs> you know, I don't know, Melanie might have said this already when she talked to you, but our friend Bob Haas, Robert Haas, this amazing poet, is, is yeah. <laughs> and he said that, that um, writing is hell and not writing is hell. The only tolerable, tolerable state is just having written. Yes, <laughs> it is the truest thing that has ever been said about writing. Yeah. So, so like I was saying, like 400 words, I go do those and then it's like so restful. And then the other part is that period when you've turned in a book and the publishers have located it, it's gone off to print. And then yeah. before it comes out, you've done all the work and there's nothing else to do. And you're just off. It's such a perfect holiday. That is literally the best part. Yeah. The best. Oh, what was I going to say about... Um... I just had a tangent in my brain as I was following you. Can you share a craft tip of any sort for us? Well, I mean, there's this um, exercise, I guess you'd call it, yeah. that I do every semester, whether I'm teaching freshmen or grad students. And it's I call it 12 questions in search of a character. Ooh. Right? So, so you start with, you know, um, give your character a name. And then, you know, things like... Uh, Tell us something odd or specific about their body. Um, who, who broke their heart when they were young? Um, who is a famous person they hate and why? <laughs> and then finally, the, at the end... Like, I like that one. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and then two crucial questions. Um, uh, you know, uh, what do they want, really desire at this point in their life? And then what's preventing them from getting it? Right. And again, then you've got, you know, you've got desire obstacle. Right. And then you can figure out like what what will grow from that. Right. And mm. there's that whole formula desire plus danger equals drama. Right? I have actually never heard that. I don't think that's no. wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that's it's great. great. <laughs> so, so, so that's usually where it starts for me. Right. So my last fiction book is this enormous 900 page monster about policing and organized crime and international sort of spy, spy intrigue in India. And when I started that, I knew nothing, right? I had this uh, policeman I'd written in that book of short stories. I had one, my take on the police procedural, right? Your, your basic story with a dead body at the beginning. You know? yeah. <laughs> and by the end, you know who, why it was, why the murder was committed. But this time, the same cop, is outside a strange bunker-like building in Bombay. And he's talking to a gangster who's barricaded himself inside, a very famous gangster. And the guy's talking to him over a speaker. And I had no idea what the guy was going to say to him. I had no idea who this gangster was, like what he wanted, where he came from. And then by asking questions like this, um, it, it, I, I start to discover the history, the backstory, the texture of this, all the people, right? And then it kind of grows from that. So for me, at least, um, the story never comes externally, right? The architecture of the story is not something I think of first. Although sometimes I think people who work like that must be blessed, right? Because they can plan. Yeah. But I've never been able to do that. And so then 
I explore the character and then I figure out things and then I, I can only discover through writing, right? Figure out the story is. Um, and then what also that means, that also means is that the first and the 19th draft are complete, completely messy and they make no sense. So Melanie and I, when we met, I was like halfway through Sacred Games, the big cop book, um, the big crime book. And, um, you know, my friends used to ask, like, how's the book going? Where are you? And I would always say in the middle. <laughs> this went <laughs> on for years and years. And then one day, in, uh, I, I, like, I typed the last sentence and I knew that was the last sentence. Ooh. And Melanie was sleeping in the bedroom and I went and like tugged her toe. And she opened her eyes and said, what? And I said, well, I finished. And she said, finished what? <laughs> You're like, only the most important thing. <laughs> right. And then, and then she said, can I read it? And I said, no, sorry, you can't. Like, because it's full of holes and like backtrack and little notes to myself, fix this. It won't make sense. And I think she wanted to throw something at me. <laughs> and so then I spent the next four months, like doing the second draft, right? And in yeah. which I filled in all that stuff, cut out huge chunks. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's a grind, you know. It's it's debilitating, um, and and you lose faith in the middle, and then you have to work yourself back up, and finally it gets done. So yeah, <laughs> sorry, that was a big long tangent from craft question. I, I should say though that um, this is going to sound like self promotion, but um, so the software that that I've been working on is called Granthika. So if you go to blog.granthika.co, I've written a bunch of I guess you'd call them essays a few mm -hmm. essays about writing, right? And one of them is called uh, Finding a Character, uh, you know, on, on how you figure out characters and how things work. And I've outlined, I mean, I've given the entire exercise in that. In oh, that great. Then I will link to that in the show yeah. notes for this. So people can go to howdyouwrite.net and I will send you over yeah. to the site. Yeah. Um, and I definitely want to talk about that program, but I do, I do want to ask really quickly, just as kind of a curiosity thing, um, you are so, you, you do so much research for all of your books. Do you research more for fiction or nonfiction? I'm curious. I mean, it must be nonfiction, right? No, both, both actually the same. Equally? Yeah, yeah. Because, so for instance, to use the crime book again as an example, right? Like when I started, um, the reason I started it was because crime in the um, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s in India, in Bombay, was was astonishingly, like, violent, right? Mm. Um, sort of what, I guess, occurred here in the 20s, right? Mm. So there were, uh, my father and I were driving back home one afternoon, and suddenly we hear automatic weapons gunfire, right, echoing off the buildings. Uh, and so my question was, why is this happening, right? What is going on? And all I knew about organized crime at that point was what I'd seen in the movies. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, so because of that cop story that I was talking about, the short story, at that time I'd met a couple of policemen, a crime reporter who's become over the years one of my best friends. It's He's one of the people that Sacred Games is dedicated to. So oh. I asked these people, like, can you introduce me to other people who will talk to me? And then... I just like, it spreads like a net, right? Like every person I would meet, I would say the same thing to them. Um, and I find that really valuable because it's like a kind of anthropological field research, right? Mm -hmm. And you learn so many things by sitting in people's offices and the stuff that you absorb, like this office tells you something about me, right? Mm -hmm. And you go to their homes 
and and you know you learn about gangster aesthetics right like <laughs> what an intensely immensely rich guy like a gangster puts in his living room right? oh i'm fascinated yeah <laughs> and and then at some point you can use that all in your book and then i did a lot of reading right like and and apart from like news reports i mean some of my friends in the field gave me like police reports there's police journals that you can read right uh, so it's it's incredibly enriching and in some sense for a non-fiction book you can't do the same if you're writing about events way back in the past mm, right mm-hmm. or, or, i mean except yeah. when you're uh, writing about contemporary events right because you're going to go and talk to people who are doing tech right now right 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 but but since i was writing about stuff that is happening now i love doing that right and and it's like i said it's very it shows up in my writing so it's a reward right and the How most you- exciting thing is yeah. like after the book was done i got emails from people i'd never met who said you know well done right oh <laughs> yes right oh, I, i mean the best one was like i'd met this incredible guy david sullivan and we called him sully he was a, one of north america's most famous private detectives in the in the true sense he was a pi right and and so when i met him like every other writer who'd ever met him in the life i was like sully tell me your stories man <laughs> <laughs> and he was very wary of this right of course uh, yeah and so you know uh, the book came out i went to india for a long summer and then i get this text message which said okay now i know that you're not just joking right <laughs> and that was the best compliment to get ever a guy like sully who spent a lifetime doing this stuff right oh. says you got you got most of the ground right right oh that's amazing how do you how do you organize your research how do you keep it oh you can see the mess <laughs> in piles is the answer yeah. yeah but see this is one of the frustrations that that drove me to to think about making software for writers right so um so what used to happen and and sacred games was my third book right and so by that time i knew how awful and exhausting it was to manage information right so so you gather all these books you take notes uh you make timelines on the wall or using software but the problem is that it's all scattered about and there's no connection to your to your text right to your manuscript mm-hmm. so when you reach page 300 and you know you suddenly remember okay so and so told me such thing in you know 2015 and you want to look that up you go to your note taking program and then finding that stuff among 3000 other notes becomes a problem in itself right yeah so tell us how granthika addresses that sure so 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 what it is it's like a it's like the child of a weird marriage uh, marriage between a text editor a database and a timeline right oh and interesting so what that means is that as you write you create i guess what you could think of as pages or cards for characters for locations for objects and for events right and then those are very tightly integrated into the manuscript right so it's like sort of doing writing on facebook you do those mentions right you do the at oh, sign oh uh-huh and so the text has connections built in right so i was writing this morning and i did it so if i reach you know i'm referring to a character named abba somebody's father uh, and i want to know something about him with one click i can jump to 
his card. And then with one click, I jump right back. That's cool. Right. And so then, you know, the other thing is that timelines, for me at least, are one of the most difficult things to keep track of, right? Especially because I write stuff, narratives that are set against actual history, right? Mm -hmm. So if you mess up, right, you know, there were these bomb blasts in Bombay and my character was 32 at the time. And then you imply some in some other way that he became a cop when he was nine years old. Right? <laughs> That's a problem. problem. People are going yeah. to get, you know, people, <laughs> readers write emails to you about that kind of thing. They keep track and, of that stuff in yeah. their head. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's difficult because also you have to keep so much in your head. Right. And you spend like, I, it feels to me like manual in a, in a ledger with a quill pen, you're doing double entry bookkeeping, right? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. Right. So, so what, the, what, the, what we've done is, so we've built this kind of technology in a sense from the ground up to be able to do this. And it provides lots of other useful things, right? So you can ask the program, give me all the chapters in which Holmes and Watson appear together. Wow. And, and it'll show you that. It'll, it, it, because the dimensions are done, um, when you look at a character, you can see every place in the entire manuscript where that character has been mentioned, right? And again, jump with one click, you know, to whatever place in the manuscript you want to look at. Um, it's a lot can, better than the whole find the, the, find yeah. the word Bill, you know? Bill, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, especially when Bill will show up as a bird's beak too, yes, like exactly. in a, as an invoice, right? <laughs> right? Uh, yes. So there's that, the event... Uh, the timeline and events are one of the things that are intelligent, right? Uh, in that if you say the inquest must come after the murder, right? It'll figure out that the inquest must also come after the inciting event for the murder. Wow. That's so, smart. Yeah. And then, like I was saying, it's it's flexible technology underneath. So in the near future, we can and we hope to add things like you know it can reason over all of this right so if you say john marries kamna it'll know that ajit has now become kamna's uh, john's brother-in-law right stuff like that so so uh there's that uh wow what else there's so also to get a little tech nerdy the reason we were able to do this is because underneath there is a knowledge graph and the text is part of a knowledge graph and what a knowledge graph means is like, if you imagine a whole network of facts, essentially, that are connected to each other, right? So knowledge operates like that in the real world, right? You know, I'm so-and-so's child and mm-hmm. my child is their granddaughter, right? So what this means is that we can um, integrate outside knowledge into this knowledge graph, right? So if there's something in Wikipedia, which refers to your, which is useful to you, um, we can reach out and get it. Right. And, and, and sort of show you oh my goodness. possibly this might be connected uh, metrics. Right. So what I mean by that is this, you know, sentence length and, you know, that kind of thing is usually what is given to you, but we're working with one of the world's leading experts on text analysis. He's Andrew Piper at McGill university up in Canada. And he's helping us put in things like, you know, how many women, versus men are there in your manuscript, right? So if you analyze Hound of the Baskervilles, you know, you see that the Holmesian universe is very male. Yeah, yeah. And then for gender conform- conformity, right? Like for our words like beautiful attached to women much more than- Yeah, 
which is so annoying, right? Like, you know, uh, and, and I realize that as I'm saying all this, I'm making it sound like you need to have a degree in rocket science, right? Well, and that's, that was my next question. How difficult is this? Because this does sound hard. I can barely work. No, no, no. Because we worked really, really hard right from the beginning to make it not difficult to use, right? So we had a bunch of writers come on board early and we called them our advisors. And we asked them questions, right? Like, what do you think will be useful? Um, so there's a big effort to make the UI, the, the user-facing interface, um, really sort of, um, I wouldn't call it simple, but like simple to parse, right? You know mm -hmm. what's going on. And as far as we know, our youngest user now is seven years old and, <laughs> and she's happily making her stories in it. Oh, which uh -huh. reminds me, which Manchinger reminded me, one of the things she wants to do is to share her stories, right? And, and so what we've got, which I don't think anybody else has, at least at the current time. So you, when you're, you're writing your story, you're building a world, right? You're creating an mm -hmm. entire universe. So what we, we can do right now is you export that universe, right? Meaning all your characters and events and so forth. And you give it to somebody else and they can import that universe and start working in the same space wow, yeah. using your characters, right? Um, and then in the near future, again, uh, we're going to build a web version, which means everything will be connected. So then you'll be able to collaborate on your universe with other people across the world, right? People will love that. Yeah, yeah, Writers yeah. will really love that. Yeah. So, so it's a very ambitious project. Right? It sounds <laughs> huge. Yeah. yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, and I've been obsessing about this for 25 years since I started Sacred Games. And to see it actually come into being, right? Because like, I'm a programmer, but I'm like, my level of programming is very mid-range. And my, my co-founder, Boris Yardanov, is like mad tech genius. Right? So, so I think because of him, we've been able to make this thing, right? And, and so it's, it's early days, but it's great fun and exciting. And just to clarify, so is it on the market now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And, and it is... I mean, it is also a place where you can, you're writing in it. This yes, is where yes. you, and then is it, is there just like a, a functionality to export it to Word so you can send it to your editor? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. you can ex export to Word, Scrivener, PDF, and you can import in the opposite direction, right? From Word and Scrivener. And wow, um, wow. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, so it's early days. I, I should say also, uh, I don't know, this is going to sound like a pathetic product plug, but but one thing we do need help with, uh, two things. One is that we need writers to give us feedback, right? So we don't yeah. end up sticking in things that aren't useful to working writers, right? Yeah. So we'd love for people to try it out, right? And there's a free trial, of course, uh, oh, perfect. on the website. And then anybody who's a student or an educator, you, you, can, you get a free subscription, right? Oh, wow, that's uh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then the other thing is that, okay, so Boris, we have a team of very talented programmers working with Boris, and we have one other person who has a PhD in um, software requirements engineering, and then there's me, a writer. And we don't have the resources to hire a growth hacking expert or a marketing person. So essentially, uh, our marketing is crap. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so, so it really, really has to be word of mouth at this yeah, point. Yeah, 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 exactly. And we really need help in doing that. So, you know, if you guys, all your viewers and listeners, uh, you know, 
like I was saying, try it out. And yeah. you know, if you think it's useful to you, you know, uh, tell other people. And if you think it's, and if you think it's not useful in any way, like with the parts that don't work, yeah, 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 tell yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, critiques of that yeah. sort, just like they are in writing, are really, really useful. Oh, okay, and it's and it's Granthika with the th in the middle and a k, okay, yeah, so G R A N T H T H I K A dot C O. Perfect. Okay, yeah, I would really encourage all the listeners to go try that. I know I am going to try it um, because I am starting a new book soon. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to need a new place to hold it and to and to work in it. Um, yeah. And I would love to try this kind of. Uh, I see it almost like this this cobweb underneath it, yeah, of holding yeah. everything up. Yeah, um, yeah, that's really beautiful. Thank you. So, what are you, what are you working on now? Oh, it's it's new. Oh, actually, I should say it's not new fiction. It was fiction I was working on before we started this whole startup thing in <laughs> 2016. And then I have to tell you, I mean, this is a tangent again, but everything you ever hear about how hard startups are is true 10 times over, Ooh. right? <laughs> I mean, the usual startup terrors of like not enough money, you know, how do you hire people? It's, like, it's exhausting. But, yeah. but like I was saying, very pleasing in, in some, in other ways, right? Like it's really, it's creative too. So it's exciting in that way. So I, I, I stopped being able to write back then, right? Um, and then just recently, since we released our version one in November, I'm, I'm writing using Granthika. And what I'm working on is, um, again, an ambitious book. It's three, three novellas that are set in three different cities in three different centuries, right? So again, therefore, the pile of books, right? Wow. And, and therefore, but they are linked in some way. Some, yeah, I, although I'm not quite sure how yet. Right, mm-hmm. this is part of my problem as a writer. Mm-hmm. I have have these glimpses of these other cities, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. Right, what roads I'm going to travel. Uh, but but yeah, so I'm I'm working on that, and it's the usual process, right? Like some mornings I wake up and uh, I have the solution, right? And I write happily, and then other times I sit on this chair like staring at the screen. <laughs> what am I doing? Why did I ever want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I putting myself through this? I don't know if you find this, but I always have the solution. The solution comes to me and I think it's solved all my problems. And then I get to write and I think, oh no, it solved this tiny problem. And yeah, I still yeah, yeah. don't know what I'm doing with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah, fantastic. I, mean, I guess that's my other craft tip now that I think of yeah. it is don't be afraid of revision. Oh, and revision yeah. is so... I mean, I, in some ways, like I was, you were saying, what is the good time in writing? Mm-hmm. To me, um, revision is the best time because I've done the hard work of laying the foundations. Now I'm making everything fit together and making it pretty, right? My and, favorite and, part. And I have, I have filmmaker friends who say the exact same. In fact, one of them, on Sunday, we had a meeting about another project that we we're trying to put together. And he said that for him, editing on the table or nowadays on the computer is the best part for him, right? Because that then must, you... That must be like what people think of us as writers when they think, how can you revise a book? How do you even hold that in your head? I think of that with a filmmaker. How can they... Re- like, that yeah, yeah, just yeah. boggles my mind that they are creating something out of all of these pieces. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. is basically revision. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. And... I mean, back in the day, I went to film school and I've worked on film since then, but, you know, you have to work with film strips. Yeah. Right? And so keeping track of those was insane because 
you cut out like three frames, right? And then you, you stuck that up on the wall with a piece of tape. And if you were very careful, you label that, right? But then four days later, you say, oh, no, that cuts too soon. And you try and find those three frames. And it's among a thousand other frames. So, I, I mean, I always thought that that kind of detail obsessiveness yeah. is another thing that is valuable and talented editors have that, right? They can think in these split seconds of time and then they know where to find the split seconds of time. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've worked with on one of the movies with one of the most talented editors, Renu Saluja, who, who India has ever produced. And she said as soon as she got to electronic editing, it made her life so much easier. I can't right? even imagine the imagine, difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's even bigger than moving from typewriter and paper to a word processor. Yes. That's just because the cutting room floor is a phrase because it was covered with, yeah. with, with frames that didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. So, well, thank you for telling us about Granthika and sure, where okay. can listeners find you online and, and everything oh, you uh, write? Well, it's just my name, Vikramchandra.com. Easy. That's where I live. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for yeah, this fun. chat. It has been such a pleasure to talk to you. And yeah, I find you pleasure. very inspiring. And I'm not a big researcher. I'm one of those people. I research after I've written the book. And I, um, then, I and then I correct everything I got wrong in the, in the draft. Um, but for some reason, just looking at your office with all the books behind you makes me want to research. So good job yeah. on that. <laughs> well, don't let me corrupt you in that way. If you're happy... Right. Doing it your way. I mean, that's my students ask me all the time. Right. And when you go out on book tour, people say, you know, um, how do you do it? And I always try and get it. I mean, your your method is your method. It comes out of your chemistry. Yes. Right? So read and all those, you know, how to write books, but don't listen to all of that. Yes. And that's why I do this show, because I'm always looking for the best process to write yeah. Yeah. something that'll make writing easy. And I also know that I'm never going to find it. But what people tell me and what yeah, listeners yeah. hear, we're hearing so many different things that will only, you'll either accept it as part of your process or reject it and then know that about yourself. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you, Vikram, so you. much. I wish Very you happy good. writing and yeah, you we'll too. talk soon. Okay, okay. smooth road to future books. Thank Bye. you, you too. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.